we're able to stand. And we thank our God for his great blessings and gift of love and this opportunity to be here to worship him this day in spirit and in truth. We are thankful to our God for his gift of love. Just quickly, uh, I would like to uh, bring to your attention our faith museum that's coming up on the 29th, Lord willing. Uh, We are in need of help, so we're asking you to uh, communicate with us, and uh, there are very specific jobs that we're looking for help with, so if you are interested in helping in some way, please let me know, contact myself or Tracy or even Judy, and um, we'll communicate more about that. But it's coming up, and here's what we know. What we know is that uh, you do not see God as optional, right? Because if you saw God as optional, then you would not be surprised if the children of yours or mine grow up and see God as unnecessary, right? And that's what happens. And so that's the reason why we try to do activities to keep the church strong, because God is not optional. God is a necessity. And our children watch God in our lives. And when they see that God is optional in our lives, they grow up and God becomes unnecessary. Let's not let that happen for our children. Let's go together to God in prayer, please. A merciful and kind and great Heavenly Father, we do praise your holy and divine name and thank you so very much. Thank you, Lord God, for all that you've done and for all that you do and for all that you will do, for your kindness and for your compassion, for your mercy and for your care and for your love. Lord God, this morning as we worship you, we ask that you'll bless our worship, that it'll be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. That all that's been said and heard and done this morning has been pleasing unto you. And all that will be said and done and heard will be pleasing unto you. Please open our hearts, Lord God, to receive your word and be with us. Thank you for Jesus, your great son. It is in his wonderful name we do pray and thank thee to be thy will. Amen. James. James has so much to say. And you know the the theme of the book of James. If you were to put one verse, one idea, the theme of the book of James. It's going to be in verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion. Pure and undefiled religion. That's the message of James in a nutshell. The whole message. So how do you stay pure and remain undefiled, unstained from the world, without blemish, in the midst of trial and tribulation and suffering, struggles. How do you do that? James tells us how. Five chapters. He repeats, if you will, much of what Jesus says, but brings it to us in yet, in yet a little different way. Let's start with verse 12 this morning. Verse 12, blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he'll receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Blessed is a man who stands during his testing. You know, we are tested, right? And there's a difference between the testing and temptation, right? It's a huge difference. In fact, they're, they're so different and so, so opposite that temptation 
leads to sin. Or we could resist that temptation and not sin. Testing never leads to sin, but rather reveals the who that I am. So, the question of James is, how am I doing with the testing that results in blessings, right? Um, when you are approved, when you're found pro- approved by God, the blessings come. Then in the testing, sometimes things are revealed about me that I recognize that aren't good. The question is, when the testing reveals what's inside of my heart, what do I do about it? What do I do about it? Do I just pretend like it never happened? Do I pretend like it doesn't exist? Do I just, you know, blame someone else? What do I do about that? When it's revealed to me as the who that I am. When I find that the testing in my life that comes maybe is uh, in, my, in my seeking self, right? And in seeking self, am I showing that partiality? We talked about that in chapter When I think about the testing of of my faith and operation of my love, what kind of love do I have for God? What kind of love do I have for my brethren? What kind of love do I have for my neighbor? What kind of love do I have for myself? And where does self fit into the picture when I look at the testing of my heart? Does, does, Does self come even above God? Or does God come first and self come last? Kind of, where do I fit in this picture of the testing that James reveals to us of our faith and our love and our approach to religion, peering under fire religion? Do I hoard? Do I keep everything to myself? Or am I willing to help the widow and the orphan in distress, those who are struggling even more than I? The testing of my faith, is it... Is it self-willed? Is it self-willed? My will and my will alone. Everyone else has to fit into the grand scheme of my life. Whatever I say, whatever I dictate, whatever rules that I establish, whatever they may be. What kind of patience do I have? In the testing of my faith, what kind of patience have I exemplified to the world as Jesus has shown me how to live my life. What about when I'm oppressed? What kind of patience do I have? Do I have the godly patience or do I or do I not? Do I have the ability to restrain myself? Hold back my words when I demand to be heard but but I think about my life and my life with Christ and being pure and undefiled and unstained by the world. Do I find myself when I'm, when I'm feeling weak? Do I, do I persevere in prayer? Do I stay with God? Am I sticking with God? Here comes the testing of my faith. So James says in chapter 1 verse 12, Blessed is a man who perseveres, right? Who stands up under that trial, under that testing. Blessed is that man who stands for Jesus, that man who steps aside from self and leaves God as the number one in his life, and he looks to Jesus in all things, even in the difficult times of life. When that Christian, when that child of God has been approved, verse 12 says, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those 
who love him. The testing of my faith is very different from the temptations in my life. The testing of my faith most likely always comes from God who wants me to know me. He wants me to know me. He wants me to know everything about myself. Lord, what do I have to fix in my life? Lord, what do I have to change in my life? You don't realize sometimes we ask God those questions. Lord, show me. (laughs) And then when he shows you (laughs) and the test comes, do I fail that test? Do I even recognize that it is a test? Do I even recognize that that test is the answer to my prayer because it's going to reveal to me the very thing that I've asked God for? To reveal to me more about me so that I can change and be the man and the woman and the child of God that he expects me to be. Blessed is that man who stands up under that testing of his life. And then James shifts. He says, now I want you not to get confused do not confuse the test with the temptation two totally different things the test will never lead you to sin it will just reveal what's already inside of you the temptation is designed to destroy you so where does it come from so here they are in the middle of this trial right Rome is persecuting the Christians and and they're all struggling. Everybody's suffering. And then James comes along and Jesus has taught that you love your neighbor as you love yourself. And Jesus has taught that, that there's pure religion, there's undefiled religion, and that's what I expect you to be. I expect you to have the right words. I expect you to have the right patience and the right kindness and the right kind of love. And Rome comes along. And they persecute us. And then we look to God and we shift blame. And we say, you know, God, I don't know why you are bringing these temptations into my life. And God says, are we talking about the testing? Or are we talking about temptation? Let's get this correct in your minds. So he begins in verse 13 by explaining to us that there's a difference. And he says, let no one, verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, not tested, when he is tempted, let no one say when he is tempted that I am being tempted by God. Why not? Look at all this bad stuff in my life. Where did it come from? You ever talk to folks like that? You ever, you know, you've, you've been there, right? Look at all this bad stuff that's going on in our lives. Look at this. Look at COVID. They start complaining. Look at COVID. Why is God doing this to us? And they start using, you know, bac- bacteria and viruses. And You've you got to figure out what this, what life is all about. Well, you know, the, the, the things in my life would not, I would not be where I am today as a Christian had, had God not done this to me in my life. I would never have made this choice had, had God not done. And God says, whoa, hang on for a moment. Let's try to get a real clear 
accurate, precise understanding of your life. Let's put things in the proper perspective. The things that would lead you away from Christ, the things that would lead your soul to hell, the things that would lead you to sin, don't you ever accuse it or accuse God of bringing that into your life. Let me say that again. God is saying to us, the things that would lead you to hell, the things that would lead you to sin, the things that would lead you to fall away from Christ, do not ever blame those things on God. That's the proper perspective of life. Because God makes it clear through inspiration of James, and he says, let no one say when he is tempted that they're being tempted by God. And he says further in this text, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. God says, I will never put something in your life that would lead you away from me. Does that make any sense at all? That's not God. I would never put something in your life that would cause you to sin. Haven't you figured that out? There is no evil in me, therefore I can never bring evil into your life. But God, we don't like our lives right now. That has nothing to do with me leading you into temptation. I will never, ever do that. Because it's impossible for God to ever do that because there's no evil in God. And since there's no evil in God, God will never lead us into or to evil. So let's put it into a better perspective. Here's what God says. Okay, God, so then where does all this evil, where does it come from? Ah. Uh, now that's the right question. God says, I'm not evil, and there's no evil in me. So where then is the evil? Yeah, it's in you. And it's in me. So much so to where... At some point, i got to stop blaming Satan. <laughs> uh, it's in here. Right? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is in here. Self-willed, selfishness, and all the things that James talks about that are against pure and undefiled religion. So, he says, verse 14, but each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by Satan's lust. That's not what it said. Okay, wait, wait. I'm tempted because of somebody else's lust? Nope. It's me. Myself and I. Me? 
Yeah, preacher. It's you. You ever, preacher, you ever put your foot in your mouth? You ever said something you shouldn't have said and then you try to bring it? You ever, you ever told a lie? You ever been in a situation where you sinned? You ever, well, yeah, God, but you, no, no. There are no buts. It's you. So wait. So do you mean that the reason this world is as bad as it is is because of me? Yeah, it's because of y'all. <laughs> it's because of humans, right? Be- because of us. We go back to Adam and Eve. We go, okay, God said, okay, look. Here you go. All right, look, look, Eve. Eve, this is beautiful. Adam, look. All right, so I made all these trees, beautiful trees. I don't know, thousands of trees, millions of trees. I don't even know how many trees were there. All these. Can I just have one? You, you know, you have the rest. All, you, all of them are yours. Every single one of them. Just every single one of these are yours. You enjoy them and have fun. The shrubs, the flowers, the, everything is yours. I just, but this one right here, just one, I need you not to eat from that one. I need you not to eat from that one. That would be a sin. Just, just one. And, and we, Eve, right? Like, I mean, we could blame Eve, but, couldn't stay away from one. It's not God. It's us. How are we going to make the world a better place? What has to change, God or us? <laughs> right. How are we going to make so this, this congregation a better congregation? Is it God or is it us? It's not God. It's us. And when we start doing this, this personal inventory going through the testing of our faith. And we start looking and going, all right, am I, um, am I selfish? Well, hmm, uh, yes, but, but I'm not as selfish as so-and-so. That's not, that's not what God wants us to do, right? Who am I? That's the question. And so when we look into our lives, and God says, don't blame me for your sin. Your sins are your choice. You've chosen to sin. Do we have to sin? Someone told me that one day. They were trying to teach me Bible. They go, sometimes you just have to sin. I said, well, God didn't say that. That was my father, by the way. How about that? You talk about growing up outside of Christ? No, you never have to sin. We choose to sin. You choose to sin. Well, I didn't really choose it. It was, okay, the situation happened, and then someone cut me off on the road, and then I, and then I, yeah, I shouldn't have said that, and I shouldn't have chased them a mile, and then tried to run them off the road. <laughs> choose to sin. So, so what James is saying, look, when you have pure, undefiled religion, when you think about your life, you, you live your life for Jesus every single day. And you, you endure, you persevere under the trials of life. You stick with Jesus through every trial and tribulation in your life, every situation in life. Don't worry about Rome. You concern yourself with your relationship with Christ. Keep Christ number one in your life, and then all the other stuff will be taken care of. You've got to keep life in the proper perspective. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. And then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. 
So why did, why did God, why did God send me to hell? He didn't. I sent myself. I sent myself. Because I chose to love my sin more than I love my God. You see, it's all about choice. It's about free will, right? And God wants us to keep life in the proper perspective. When evil is coming my way or has come my way from maybe someone else brings it into my life, I can choose to be godly, unstained from the world, unspotted from the world, and react and respond in a godly way, or... I can choose to be just as evil as they. Like Israel. You know, Israel did that, right? Israel, God says, you know, I, I thought for sure. When, when you saw how I handled through justice, the, the punishment upon this evil, I thought for sure you wouldn't do the same thing. And you know what? Lo and behold, you went out. Not only did you do the same thing, you did worse than they. What's wrong with you people? Uh... And then we find an excuse. But that's not what the test is supposed to bring out. What the test of verse 12 is supposed to bring out and reveal is the truth. So as to lead me to salvation, to turn my life around. The temptation is all about me, right? It's all about, it's all about me. You know what I'm struggling with? When I go back and read verse 13, please read this with me. We'll go back a few verses. L- listen, listen to what, what I'm struggling with. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. And then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Wait, let's read it again. Verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. And then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Shall I read again? I can't find Satan in there anywhere. Have you found him in there? Let's read it again. Uh, verse 13. When, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. And then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived. Don't trick yourself into believing that you can blame somebody else. We can't even blame Satan for this. It's me. Am I willing to admit that this morning? You know, a lot of the bad stuff that happened in my life was because of me, my choices, right? my arrogance, my pride, my selfishness, my wickedness, my evil. It's me. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. You want to make this church a better church? It's you. It's me. Individually individually. You can't look at everybody else and say, well, you know, but they aren't doing it. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. What matters is what you are doing. What are you doing? What am I doing for Jesus? What am I doing for God today? What am I doing? Am I bringing my own temptation and struggles because of my lust, because of my pride into my own heart, which brings destruction to the church and myself? Remember, 
It is not God who is evil. Remember that it is not God who tempts me with evil. And remember that though I love to blame Satan, Satan's not even found in this text. Interesting, huh? He's not even there. So, perspective. Perspective. Verse 17. So then, the opposite of evil is good. Verse 17 says, Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. I talked to my wife about this verse ago. Sometimes I feel like I'm trying to convince the church of that. Why do I convince the church of what the Bible says? It's inspired from God. What is God saying? Every good thing bestowed comes because, Tony, you made some really good choices and did some great things, and you're just a great person. Isn't that what it says? No, that's not what it says. Nope. It comes from God. So where does evil come from again? I mean, go back and, no, we, we got it, right? Evil comes from me. Evil comes from Satan. There's no question about that. There's, there's Satan. There's no question about it. But evil comes from me. Some might say sometimes I'm just stupid. Well, yeah, we could call it that. Did stupid lead to evil? Yeah. Yeah, I was just dumb. I shouldn't have. I knew better. Evil comes from me. It does not come from God. Well, then what comes from God? Wait a minute. God does not have evil in him. God can never have evil in him. God is never evil. God is not evil. So then God must be, verse 17, good. Every good thing bestowed, every good, every good thing bestowed, and every, every is inclusive, isn't it? It includes all Every all of the good things in your life, every all of the good things and perfect things in your life came from you. <laughs> That's not what it said. I can't even find. You know what I can't find in this verse? I can't find me in this verse. I've looked diligently. I tried to even insert my name. You can't do that, right? Every good, read it twice. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Hmm. What did Jesus say? Call no man good. Oh. Wait. But I am a good person. You ever? Oh, yeah, there are good people. Really? Hmm. Perspective. Nope. In us lies evil is there some good yeah there's some good I'm not saying there's not we know there's but wait a minute Jesus said call a man good <laughs> see, you see how we have to struggle with this thing we have to figure this out don't we we've got to figure that God is not making us figure it out you've got to think about this you know what's inside of me evil you hired an evil preacher <laughs> to preach to evil people <laughs> to serve a good God we all need help. God have mercy on our souls. Right? But if you're not willing to admit that, if you're not willing to admit that, how are you going to fix the things in your life that you have to fix? How are you going to correct the things that revealed or revealed through your testing? 
How are you going to correct yourself and move yourself from evil to good? And not good for selfish reasons, but good for God. And good for, for the, the gospel's sake. And good for the church. And, and good for others. How are you going to move from evil to good if you don't allow God to reveal through testing what's really inside of you? Preacher. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above. And, and you know what I try to do sometimes? I don't know if you've ever done this before. I try to take the credit that's due God and put it on me. You ever done that? I know you've done it before. Maybe. Maybe you haven't. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In other words, God is, is the constant in our lives. Okay, let's go to chapter 5. Chapter 5. Obey Him and He will give us this much needed good in our lives because God is good. And you know what you don't have to do? I love this. Thank you, God. You don't have to make promises and, and empty promises or just promises or vows to God to, to receive God's goodness. That's all that God is, is good. You don't have to do that, right? You don't have to pray to God, God, if you help me this time, then I'll do this. Don't do that. You don't have to do that. That does not reveal who God is. God is always good. And every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift comes from God. And you don't have to bribe God or beg God or try to make a deal with God. Or make a vow to God. James 5 and verse 12, the text says, But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. Right? Well, this year, I'm going to do this for God. God, if you will do this for me, then watch God. You watch me. Don't. Just do it. Isn't that what James says later? You know, be ye doers. Just, just do it. God, God wants us to be people of action. Right? Not word, but, but action. Just, just do it. So now, okay. So now, the problem is, uh, we're, we're struggling with, with this. It's wisdom. We're struggling with wisdom because there are two types of wisdom in the world today. And there's a wisdom uh, that is good and worldly. And there's a, wis there's a wisdom that's godly and good. There's a, there's a, we look at wisdom. We go, okay, this is really good wisdom. But is it godly wisdom? Right? So from a world's perspective, there's good wisdom that isn't godly wisdom. But is that really good wisdom? So look, if you will, at chapter 3. James challenges that. It's okay, so, so here's the struggle. The struggle is we're being persecuted. And now how do we deal with that persecution? How do we deal with the struggle, the turmoils in our lives? Well, we have to use some kind of wisdom. Well, the wisdom that we use should be God's wisdom always, right? Not selfish wisdom. Verse 13, it says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds, and the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. 
isn't isn't conventional wisdom selfish? Because it's all about me. Right? Think about it. How do I get a, how do I get ahead in life? How do I do this? How do I do that? How do I bring this to my life? How do I bring good to my life? How do I it's all about me? It it's it's selfish wisdom. We can be honest about that, right? I mean, I'm not looking out for the, how can I change the world? I'm not looking out for that. I'm not trying to figure out how I can, you know, every dollar spent, I can, I'm not doing that. I'm thinking about me. Selfish wisdom. There's this selfish, I know, I know. You're saying, well, preacher, what are you doing? What are you doing? We don't want to hear this stuff. I know. <laughs> right? But it, it, the text says, but, but if you have, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. For where, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. So, so what God is saying is, when you, when you live your life with pure and undefiled religion, you're unstained, you're unstained from the world... Yes, I expect you to, to do things to take care of yourself, but what I want you to always do is have me in mind. Right? I want you in everything that you do in your life, this is what God, I want you in everything you do your, in your life to put God first. Right? Put others before yourself. Put others before, that's all through the scriptures, right? Put God first. Put others before yourself. But, but the world and worldly wisdom says, no, no. If God's in your way, you got to go another way. Go around him or something, right? That's what the world says. God says, put me first, and I'll take care of everything. How many of us believe that? Because he said that. Jesus said that. Put me first. I'll take care of everything else. Put me first. I'll take care of everything else. Godly wisdom, verse 17 the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and goodness, unwavering, without hypocrisy. It's pure, it's undefiled religion. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. All right, let's close out now. Okay, so I'm... God is telling me, Tony, you gotta look, you gotta, you gotta look at yourself. You gotta, you have to take an inventory. Well, we got one more verse. Uh, hang on one second, Tracy. We're gonna go to James chapter one before we close out. Um, as I struggle through life and the bad things that happen, some of those bad things have nothing to do with me. It just happens, right? Life happens. But how do I handle it? That's the question, right? How do I handle that unfortunate situation, that circumstance, that thing that has nothing to do with, with me? You know, a drunk driver drives down the road and crashes into a car and kills a family and then he lives. And how do you handle, how do you handle that? I know what I want to do. And I know what I want to feel. And I know what I want to say. But if I'm putting Jesus first, how do I handle that? Oh, that's tough. Right? And when, when Nero comes, or Domitian, 
from Rome and they, and they send their soldiers and they, and they knock on your door and they take your family away because you're, just because you're trying to do what's right. And they persecute some and they, and they, and they execute others. How do you handle Nero and Domitian? What do you do with that? I know what I want to do. But how do I handle that? How do I remain unstained and God, I don't, I don't know how to deal with that. And God says, I'll, I'll, I'll help you. How are you going to help me, God? Verse 5, James chapter 1. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. God says, if you just ask me, I'll give it to you. I'll help you to be a law-abiding citizen, to be a godly person, to be, to be pure, to be unspotted by the world, to be undefiled, to look out for others. I'll help you if you let me. But the problem is, something gets in the way. Someone gets in the way. And it's me. So I guess this morning's lesson is, preacher, you need to stop getting in God's way. Stop getting into God's way. And I wonder if that applies to you in any way. This morning, we got to fess up Evil does not come from God. Evil comes from us. Only good comes from God. And the wisdom that maybe I've used sometimes in this life, that actually I have used in this life, that is not from God, is not good wisdom. It's not. And when I fall short, I got to recognize I need God's wisdom badly. How about you? The lesson is yours this morning. If you are struggling in your faith and you would like prayers made on your behalf, we'd like to pray with you and pray for you. If you are not a child of God today and you have not surrendered to God in the waters of baptism, opportunity is yours. Here's another day. What's the most important thing in life? Salvation. Right? Everything in my life must revolve itself around God. If you'll surrender to God and repent of your sins, of godly sorrow in your heart, confess his name, be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of your sins, God will do what God promises he will always do. God will save you. The lesson is yours. If we can help in any way, please come. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation. I am